Welcome to the All in a Homeschool Day podcast. If you're like most of my listeners, you too wear many hats and you have a lot of demands on your time. It's difficult to juggle it all as a homeschool mom, and it's easy to be overwhelmed by everything you need to do. This show is not about finding the right curriculum or doing all the right things. It is about helping you focus on the best for your homeschool and your family. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the All in a Homeschool Day podcast. This is going to be a packed episode that is the direct result of a reader question. We're going to be talking about how to create a homeschool calendar that works for your life. Before we dive in, though, I want to let you know about an upcoming free workshop that I will be hosting. Every Friday in July, I'm hosting a Homeschool 101 workshop. So if you are curious about what homeschooling looks like in real life, what a homeschool day looks like, if you have questions about whether homeschooling would be a good option for your family, I encourage you to check that out. You can sign up at triumphantlearning.com forward slash homeschool 101 workshop. And if you know someone who's considering homeschooling and they have questions, I encourage you to let them know about this free workshop. I'll be presenting, um, some answering questions about homeschooling, and then I will also be available afterwards to address any questions that still remain. So I hope that you'll join me for that. Now, let's dive in to today's topic. I was having a conversation with a listener over on Instagram, and we were talking about how I schedule our terms because it's very different than anything that she'd ever heard about. So I told her I would create a video and a podcast episode just about this to help you guys see how you can get creative, how you can create a homeschool calendar that actually works for your life. So let's dive in. I want to tell you why I came to this uh, realization to start with. I had been trying various calendaring options and none of them worked for us. So I tried uh, just kind of a traditional school calendar whenever we very first got started because that's all that I knew. As I learned more, I loved the Charlotte Mason philosophy and I tried to do the three 12-week terms and that worked for a year. And then we started traveling. And honestly, we were gone so much that it was frustrating and stressful for me to try to fit all of that in. So I couldn't figure out how to fit in three 12-week terms, how to have exams, how to do picture study, composer study, and all of that. And I was just getting overwhelmed and frustrated and I wanted to give up. And didn't know what to do for our calendar. So I realized I don't have to follow three 12-week terms. For that matter, I don't have to follow a traditional school calendar. Um, I tried doing a Sabbath school calendar, which is where you have six weeks on and a week off. And like I mentioned, we traveled so much that our travel often fell in the middle of those uh, Sabbath blocks. So you know, we'd be doing school for three weeks, then we'd travel for a week, we'd come back and we'd have three more and it just didn't make sense. Plus, whenever we were traveling, we were learning so much that I was counting those as school days. So as you can see, 
It just, none of it made sense. So what I realized was I can create the calendar that actually works for us. So I knew that we needed 180 days of instruction. That's what we are required to have here in Oklahoma. And I think most states are very similar. So whatever your state requires, take that as your, the number of days that you need. And then you can start breaking that down. So on the show notes for this episode, I have broken out for you so you don't have to do the math and think about it. What you need to be thinking about when you're breaking down your terms. So are you going to have a five-day school week? Are you going to have a four-day school week? With the option that you choose is going to determine how many weeks total that you need to plan. So for a five-day week, we need 36 weeks of school. For a four-day week, we need 45 weeks of school. So that can look like breaking it into two semesters. You could do three trimesters. You could do four quarters. You could do the six Sabbath terms. Or you could do something totally in between, which is what I've done. And that's why I wanted to tell you about this. So the show notes gives you the breakdown of exactly what that looks like. But what I want to tell you is what we do. I now schedule two 11-week terms with a week of exams at the end of each term. Throughout the year, I have a week for teacher work days. And then the remaining weeks are spread throughout the year. And it's a combination of field trips, trips, special events such as uh, Teen Pact or a summer class at a community college, uh, like a week-long learning um, adventure, not a full-blown course. It could be a special interest that we have. Some years we have taken the first four or five weeks of school to have a special focus, whether it be a science fair or one particular subject that we always have trouble getting in. Whatever it is, we have that flexibility to schedule it how it's going to work for our um our schedule that particular year. And so the thing is, our school calendar looks different every single year. Some years it has looked much more traditional. Some years it has looked on again, off again. We're home for a few weeks, then we're gone for a week, home for a few more weeks, and it repeats that cycle. Some years where we have large chunks of time that we're home and we're actually home for an entire term. But each year looks different for us. I have a special tool that I want to offer you to help you in this process. If you go to the show notes and scroll down to how to create your homeschool calendar, you will find a link to a spreadsheet, a Google spreadsheet to help you with this process. And I've recorded a a video and uh, that's on the post too that you can watch so that you can see what I actually do and what it looks like. Basically, what I do is start with our first day of school, which for us is always the first Monday in June, and then I have every single week listed for the rest of the school year. Now, I know when we want to generally end and when we want to start what I say as our academic work, so we typically don't do that until, we don't start until August or sometimes September. 
This year, we're starting the second week of August, and in the past, it's been anywhere from the first week of August to the first or second week of September. Just like I said, highly variable depending on what we have going on that year. So knowing when I want to start, and then I know when I want to end, and honestly, we want to end as early as possible because We've discovered that, so the summer here is really hot. We don't like to be outside. The winter is cold enough and there's not enough snow to play in that it's no fun being outside then either. So we tend to take off more in the fall and in the spring. So by the time April and May hit, we are so done with school that we just don't want to be doing anything anymore. So I try to have us finish in early April. This year we'll be going later because we're actually joining a co-op and I will tell you about that in an upcoming episode. This is the first time that we have joined an academic co-op and so I want to talk to you about why and how you can evaluate if a co-op would be a good option for you. So we'll, that'll be in an upcoming episode. So that has really shaped our homeschool calendar for this year because we needed to have a little more structure. And if we're going to have uh, homework that we have to finish for co-op anyway, we might as well have the rest of our school weeks lining up with that. And since we're not traveling as much this year, that worked out fine. So I start with the first day and I, I know generally when we want to end and I then put in anything that I know we have going on, whether it's trips or it is uh, special events that we will be attending that will count as school days or times that we want to take off, that we want to go visit family or we want to take off for the holidays or just that we're taking a break. So we don't follow the traditional fall and spring breaks for our area because, first of all, I don't want to go anywhere when the public schools are out because everything is busier. And second, I want to take breaks when it works for us. So sometimes that looks like when we get back from a trip. Sometimes, like this fall, we have no trips planned because of everything being shut down, that we had a stretch of 10 weeks that we were going to be doing school straight. And I'm, I currently have a schedule to take a break at the end of that when our co-op takes a break. But in the back of my mind, I'm pretty sure that we're going to take a break sooner. So we may end up taking a quasi break in that we do only work that would be related to the co-op, which for us, the academic load that we're doing with the co-op is not very much. It's not the bulk of our schooling. So we have the flexibility to still do that, that we can accomplish our co-op homework and let everything else go for the week. So we're, we're taking this kind of like a half week. So I am anticipating that that will end up happening, but I haven't actually scheduled the full break because if we don't need it and we can go to the full break, then that will be easier for us to get done later. So after I have those um, events filled in, then I start scheduling our terms. So I like to do the two 12-week or 
two 12-week terms, which includes the 11 weeks of instruction and the week of exams. And that actually gets split up sometimes. So if we're traveling, I will have the start of a term and then we'll have a trip in the middle of it and then we'll finish the term. And so basically the exams at the end of the term cover everything from when we first start school to the end of that term and then from the uh, beginning of that second term to the end of the school year. So in effect, we have two semesters, but I don't actually treat it as semesters because of the way that I want to think about my content planning. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to emphasize if you are going to have a non-traditional school calendar. So first of all, know that most of the curriculums, if you buy a packaged curriculum, they are made for 180 days of lessons. Why curriculum makers think that we need 180 days of lessons, I have not figured out because the reality is we do well more than 180 days of learning. And there's a lot of learning that happens when we take field trips, when we take some time to uh, dig a little deeper, to slow down. We may discover some interest as we're moving through lessons that we want to dig deeper on. And so 180 days for us is too much if you have for those curriculums that uh, span that whole year. So two things that I do. One is I don't use very many curriculums that have a full 180 days of lesson work. And when I do, I will often pick and choose. There will be lessons we don't cover. There will be lessons we skip over um, if it seems repetitive or if we've already covered it in some other fashion. Uh, sometimes we just don't finish the whole book. We'll stop before we get done. And sometimes I'll spread that out over a couple of years. And I want to give you a little bit of freedom and release some of the guilt. Even public school teachers do not always finish the full book. I have heard that many... Uh, traditional classroom teachers consider a book complete if they finish 75 to 80% of the book. And often the next year, there's a lot of review built in kind of because of that. So I've just let that go and said, it's okay if we don't finish the book. The other question that often comes up is, what do I do about exams? So I mentioned that our exams cover from the beginning of the school year up until the exam time, and then from that next, the start of that second term to the end of the school year. What I do to help me in that process is to make notes as we're reading through books, as we're having discussions, as I think of um, topics that I want to ask them about when we're on trips, and I, I make a list, and I just keep that running list going, and so the next term, or the next time exams come up, I already have some questions and some topics identified that I want to ask them. There is one exception to this. There are some curriculums such as math and when you get, start getting into the upper level sciences where exams are built into the curriculum and it makes perfect sense to give those exams at that time. So when, the, when my children were younger, we stopped everything for exam week 
and we focused just on exams and exams covered every topic, every subject that we'd been learning. And I have um, the post explaining about how we handle exams linked in the show notes to this episode. Now, what I do is we have exam week and cover most of the topics, but if there are topics such as math and science that have exams built into those subjects, then they take the exams when it comes up, and during our exam week, they just keep working through with the next assignment. So it's kind of like two different sets of exams going there. One is just a part of the normal um normal schedule, and then the other, we take time off for those exams. And finally, I want to address a topic that I have heard many moms struggling with, and that is how do you schedule breaks without guilt? It can be very challenging as a homeschool mom to recognize that we won't finish a book, that we can stop when the timer goes off and even if we haven't finished the chapter, it's hard for us to not check those boxes. I think in part because we feel a need to prove ourselves and also because we don't want to let our children down. What has helped me is to change my perspective on why we need breaks. And let me tell you why we need breaks and then how I've l- managed to let go and, and actually adjust my mindset. So if we keep going and we keep pushing, then we, w- we and our children will burn out. When that happens, nobody enjoys learning anymore. Also, our children need downtime to be able to process what they've learned and to think about it and to ponder how that fits into what they already already know and connect it with other things, other um, ideas that they have heard and learned. And so we need to have that time. So we need to underschedule both our academic work and our extracurricular activities. So there are some times that we get to the end of the time that I've scheduled for a lesson and we're not done with the book, not done with the lesson. Definitely in the elementary grades, it's important to stop and move on and just say, you know what? Time's up for the day. Let's move on. We'll pick up tomorrow where we left off and know that there are times we won't finish the book. Sometimes that's because the book ended up harder than we anticipated it being. And so it's taking us longer to get through it. And that is not a failure to not finish the book because you are building incredible skills for your children in the process. There are other times, particularly when we get to high school, that if our children haven't finished the work, but yet they're staying diligent, they still have to finish the assignment because they need to be learning how to manage their time and how to accomplish the work that's going to be assigned to them. So if they get into a class in a co-op setting or dual enrollment or they're in college, they need to know that they still have to meet the expectations set before them. So there are times when they need to stop what they're doing 
and move on to the next subject, but then come back and pick it back up. Basically, I try to keep in mind the goals that I have for our homeschool. And one of those goals is that my children love to learn. The second is that they pursue their passions. So in order to achieve that, they need a reasonable schedule and they need breaks. But I also know that they need to learn that time management and diligence. So as they are um, working through their lessons, we work on how to attend to the lesson. And I also work on how helping them learn how to work with a timer. So now that they're old enough to be working on lessons independently, I have to remind them, did you set your timer? Did your timer go off? Okay, it's time for you to move on. And help them also learn when it's important for them to just move on and take a subject as, it, as they're working through it and not worry about how much they're getting through as long as they are working diligently. And on the flip side, that there are times that they will have to put in extra work later to finish up. But what I know is that if we don't take those breaks and take complete breaks from school, then my children will not love to learn. They will be burnout. And that's not a place where I want to go. So I hope this has given you some insight into how you can schedule your homeschool year in a way that works for your family and that you will have that sense of freedom to create the calendar that you want to create and let go of the expectations of what everybody else is saying that you need to do for your homeschool calendar. Before we close, I want to let you know about a special opportunity that I have for you right now. I am going to be running a beta launch of a course called the Homeschool Roadmap. And it will walk you through step-by-step how to set up your homeschool for success, how to set it up in a way that really works for you and for your children and for your family as a whole. We'll cover everything from knowing your purpose to creating an atmosphere where your children can thrive to planning and implementing your schoolwork to managing life in the context of a homeschool. As part of this beta launch, I'm going to be leading a group through the program. And so week by week, you will have a new module released to you and we will have a Q&A call where you can ask questions about the material, questions about setting up your homeschool, and we'll be able to work through that together to help you create that homeschool that is just right for your family. Enrollment for this fall intensive of the Homeschool Roadmap will be open through July 31st. Enrollment will be limited. I want to keep the class size small so that you will get the individual attention that you need and you will have priority pricing. So this is the lowest price that I will ever offer this course 
Plus, you have a very special opportunity to help me shape this course. Your feedback will be directly incorporated into the lessons and into the resources that are included with the course so that I can provide you what you need to homeschool with confidence and to create that unique homeschool that's just right for your family. So I hope that you will uh, consider joining us in this fall intensive of the Homeschool Roadmap. I am so excited and cannot wait to lead moms through this course. I have been praying for you. My children, uh, my husband, my mother-in-law have all been praying for you that if you are in the place where you're ready to start homeschooling or you want to start planning your own lessons for your homeschool and you want to establish that foundation that will help you to succeed and to feel confident in what you're doing, we are so excited for you to be able to join with us and just have been praying that God would give you the wisdom and insight that you need. And so if this is a part of that, I would love to join that journey with you. You can find out more information about the Homeschool Roadmap on triumphantlearning.com forward slash homeschool roadmap. I hope that you have been encouraged by this episode, that you are ready to plan or to create your homeschool calendar with confidence. And I'd really appreciate it if you would take a moment to leave a rating and review for this podcast. That helps other homeschool moms find the podcast so they can be encouraged too. Until next time, have a triumphant day.